Hello, welcome to One Moment Wiser. This is Christy Bridges, and we have a very special Valentine's story for you today. So this is February. It's the month of love. And today I have my friend Aaron Garcia with us. Now, you know me, but just in case you're wondering who we are and what we're doing here, I teach Christians to become authors because God speaks to people through our unique stories. So I want to hear your stories. Share them with me. Now, Erin was already an author when I met her, and Erin is, um, well, she's an amazing coach and counselor type person. You've been a counselor, you've been a therapist, you've been a Splunk and a practitioner. You lead um, some really neat ladies groups so that women can understand their identity and embrace who they are. And you never stop talking about your love for God and about mental health and how people can, can actually like being in their own bodies, in their own minds. <laughs> I really appreciate that about you, Erin. Thank you. For oh, being thank here. you. <laughs> so Aaron, you have, um, a really neat story. And it's funny because some of the things in your story remind me of my own patterns that I've been through, even though we're, you know, on different ends of the spectrum. So I'm going to let you share your story. Um, take us back to the time before you became who you are now. Well, and just so I don't forget this, this is my book. I don't know if you can see Yes. The um, real skinny on my anorexia. And it's, it's called a journey to fullness with the healer of life. And mm -hmm. so I'll take you back. So I was raised uh, in suburban Omaha, Nebraska. My dad had served in the military as an officer um, in both world war two and Korean war. He was very, uh, I think he was like Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel. And uh, probably the next one up would be a very high officer, very strict, very dignified, very smart man. And they had a choice to be there, you know, uh, in Omaha near uh, off at Air Force Base and all that. So they chose to move there. My mom was not a fan of him being in the military. And my mom was a beautiful hairdresser, creative type person who, well, she was very, very, um, bipolar back then they called it manic depressive, but I saw the manic side is really fun and the depressive side, she'd be, you know, asleep for two weeks at a time and okay. And little did I know that she actually, Christy had a eating disorder herself. It was probably disordered eating maybe because there's a difference. But when I was little, there's many things that contribute to anorexia. But I started a seven-year-old. How does this happen? I'm on a swing and I'm looking at my little leg flatten out like it's going to when you're on a swing. Mm -hmm. And I thought, am I getting fat? Aww. I mean, who does that? Right? And so you and I were talking about, we all have a little inner critic Mm -hmm. And mine became the tyrant within, I'll name it that now. And I began to see that it was a deeper level of tyrant than just an inner critic. But we're hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
and we listen to what people say around us. And I guess what I really heard was I needed to be thin. I needed to be okay. And I needed to perform to please dad and I needed to protect mom. <laughs> so I was a little fixer, but that doesn't last long. I have an older sister, uh, my sweet sister. She, we laugh because she says she got the other side of the eating disorder later, uh, overeater. And she goes, it's not fair that I got the thin one, you know? So. <laughs> I understand. And she, by the way, helped me write my book. So she's featured in a beautiful way, her take on things. But I felt like I had to please that demanding perfectionistic military father and then I had to j navigate, juggle the manic depressive mom. And somehow fat, keep a good outward image with my straight A's, all my stuff I did in school. I mean, I took every lesson known to man. I was in performing arts. I was in swimming. I, would, I um, voice, I sang solos and got leads in musicals and blah, 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 hyper achiever. And I really loved doing all that. And I found uh, the Lord young in life. Thank God. He was with me. But emotionally, I was caving. I was caving into this dark, dark place. So seven years old, I started hearing things like, she doesn't eat enough to keep a bird alive. And I heard my uncle say, you all have the Dolan thighs. You've got those thighs. And you know, nice for the image, body image thing, right? Mm -hmm. So body image things, uh, uh, disorder was happening for me, you know, it, you know, it, uh, issues. Yeah. And I started, then I had to look good at everything I did because I was so visible and I had to be, you know, slim for that next whatever musical I was in. And I think it was just a lot of pressure because didn't, um, what was the gal, uh, the real thin gal back in the 60s, I just lost her, her name. Karen, Karen Carpenter. Karen Carpenter, but there or, was another or, model. Oh, uh, tweet, not Tweety. Tweety uh. or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll think of it later. But she was so thin. Right. And we all wanted to be her. And we'll, yeah. we'll look this up and let everybody know later. Uh, but Karen Carpenter, oh, yeah. I was singing her songs, and I can even stylize my voice like Karen. But... Um, I didn't realize she was suffering from an eating disorder, right? So there's something we call our relationship with food. Well, if we use anything to try to make us feel better inside, that's, that's basically an addiction. <laughs> so this is the non-addiction. This is the non, the, I do not eat addiction. <laughs> yes. And it becomes an obsession. So I can remember it starting with orthorexia and I, I quickly began weeding out all terrible foods and I just ate carrots and celery sticks and I ate organic before they knew about organic, mm. you know, so orthorexia that is what just being super picky or yes. just uh, and the word ortho, you know, is only the right thing. Oh, only the right thing goes in my mouth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we can be so picky that that can lend itself. So I remember keeping charts and we did, I did Weight Watchers before there was Weight Watchers. I was keeping, you know, calories and this and that. And I was always ready to make my next little sheet of what I was going to eat. It became an obsession. Yeah. And I tell people that it almost becomes a game. 
So I'm in high school. I'm in the drill team too. And I lost like 30 pounds in a little over a month because I started starvation, which is restriction, which is anorexia. But I didn't know. I just thought I had no idea. So I, and we can really act out in denial. And so the nurse writes me a note and says, I'm very, very concerned. And she says, take this home to your parents. But they were in a world of hurt themselves at that time. And this can be a very long story. So I'll, I'll just give you highlights. But they were, uh, my father's health was terrible. And sh- her eating, her mental illness was getting worse. So I didn't bring the note home. I just, I just lost mm-hmm. it. And she was concerned. So I start realizing that I like this high that I get from not eating. And so, but there's this thing that happens and I'm going to read you what I wrote soon. The tyrant, well, the anorexic ideal would be to just dwindle down to become as close to invisible as possible. Cause remember, it's also perfectionism. We're going to be perfect. We're going to get down to nothing soon. The tyrant within takes over leading to life-threatening behavior. We die by our own agonizing form of suicide. Now, I didn't know what had gotten a hold of me, but it took on a life of itself. And so as it took this life of itself, I was literally starving myself to death. And um, there were a few times where I would kind of get my bearings through that, but it, and nobody knew about it. Nobody, they couldn't understand it, but they'd go, are you eating? (laughs) My friends, my jealous friends. (laughs) Um, And then this is taking me into, you know, after high school now, and I moved to another state and began a discipleship program and, and working out there as a, as a copywriter of all things. Um, But Soon my, my work, my coworkers are saying, are you, are you eating anything, Aaron? And so it would, for a few years, it would dissipate, but it was coming back and coming back. And then with my father's death and then my mother's suicide, as you'll remember, this is hard to tell all this, man, it just came back raging. The, the eating disorder I now was basically surrendered to its control. And so at that point, I knew uh, in my heart, though, I had this, I call it my intimacy with the Lord that saved my life first. (laughs) And walking with him as close as I was, somehow I was keeping my heart open. And I said, Lord, I know that you are going to help me not only stay alive, but you're going to bring someone to me that's my little, my shepherd lover, right? And I just dream of him. And I know that I'm supposed to have a large singing family someday. And I know that these are dreams you've given me, right? And I know that if I keep this trust in you somewhere, and I didn't understand what I, what I was part of yet, I didn't understand the extreme nature of what, I was, what had a hold on me. Right. But I said, Lord, I know that you can deliver me And you can bring me, you can write my love story in the middle of all this.
One Moment Wiser will be right back. So, and I'm just going to pause for a second because you've, there's so much here, but you needed to feel in control of something. Oh yeah. Just a little bit. Feel in control of something. And you said it became a game to you because it was something that you felt in control of, but like everything else in your life, it never felt good enough. And everything else in your life was so public and we're so harsh on our bodies when we have public performance uh, positions. Perfectionism. Right. And, and so now you've reached a point where there is no semblance of control because, you know, your mother has, you've seen what happened with her mental illness. Your father is sick. You, there's no way to tighten the control any further and it's taken control of you. Yes. But you, you still knew that you didn't want to go this way. Right. That you wanted a future. How are you going to raise kids if you hate yourself this much, right? How do you give love to to your children and give them the support they need not to go through this? And so you're praying. You're like, Lord, I, I see this family that sings together and that loves each other and this shepherd husband. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to quit interrupting, but I'm just, I'm like, <laughs> no, that was a beautiful summary. Well, and I did, but vision and dream are what keep us alive. Yeah. And God gave me those pictures. I was sharing yesterday with a group that we're teleological beings and we see in pictures and even the Hebrew language is in pictures. And I kept seeing this picture. Um, Christopher Plummer just passed away with Sound of Music. And yeah, I was so sad. And that movie gave me a vision. My heart said, I want that. Yeah. Along with the singing kids, maybe not seven, but I had five. <laughs> five is a lot. And that's the end story. That's the end yeah. story. So uh, that's the end of the story, but the good end. Um, but I saw that and I had the capacity to desire that. God gave that to me. He gave me grace. Hmm. And I was on my way down. There's, I was on my next 10 pound plunge oh. when he brought this little sweet guy that went to my church. Um, now this is going to be kind of hard on people because hard, hard to hear, but I knew him. Okay. I did know that he was, I did know him and he's not a serial killer that I just started dating. I knew that he wasn't a serial killer, you know, but I, I knew of him. We had mutual friends. And so God just gently and and kind of the, I'm kind of a romanticist and I, I was dating his landlord. Okay. So I just have to paint this picture, <laughs> but I knew he wasn't the guy and I love Errol Flynn and Maureen O'Hara and all this. So I love these, you know, swashbuckler where they come and sweep the woman away. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I think God kind of honored that too. He wanted to make it fun. <laughs> so my boyfriend's gone at green beret camp or something. He's way older, uh, <laughs> quite a bit older. And this, his young, young guy that his tenant, I guess, I didn't even know they knew each other. And there's all these mutual friends and ways we should have met. And suddenly we met at this moment in time where we even tell the story that 
we were uh, at the same apartment complex that was near the church we all went to, right? Mm-hmm. And it was this big old popular church in Houston, Texas. And he walks out on the banister and goes, well, here I am. <laughs> oh, I love it. And I thought, what a jerkwad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but there was I had I remembered seeing him around and he was just so cute. And he had a cute little build. And I thought, man, I, this guy's cute. Well, I had heard that he sang. Uh-huh. I heard that he had played, he played guitar and there's even more to this story and you'll have to get the book of course, but his dad had passed away one day before my mom did Oh no! four months before. And Mr. Mr. Landlord took us both to the airport one day apart. <laughs> oh my. Okay. <laughs> so this just gets really exciting, right? <laughs> so the minute um, we looked at each other, there was an instantaneous recognition and I don't tell everybody to go do that. Okay. But we met and had several dates and he asked me to marry him and we were married in two and a half weeks. Weeks. Oh my gosh. You had several dates in two and a half weeks. I got married that 45 years ago. So, <laughs> That's but he's a cook. Yeah. And God says, yeah, we're going to have to help the little anorexic because she's in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he brought Mr. Sweet, unconditional love who nurtured me, not only with um, unconditional love, but nourished me. And he said, you know, Aaron, you look like tiny Tim when I met you. I'm like, That's nice. <laughs> Flattery. <laughs> yeah. Tiny Tim, the emaciated Tiny Tim, right? <laughs> and what he, if Steve said to me, you look like you need a good American meal. And I'm like, what a jerk. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing I want. But isn't that something he, he did. He, uh, he, you know, he, he saved my life. He's, I call him my second savior. Not so perfect. <laughs> Can't be too perfect, right? Not for the perfectionist. No, nope, we don't want perfect. But there was, I can't, I, I do not know how to explain really what the Lord did, but he answered all my prayers, all Steve's prayers. And we went on to, obviously, I, I gained like 30 pounds in six months and back in th- six months and I was aghast. I'm like, no you know, the number went to 125, right? I was 92 when I met Steve and I'm five foot six oh. and I was size zero. Oh, to be just a little closer to that now, right? <laughs> mm, I think closer but to happy is better. My joke is I'm half the woman I am. I was half the woman I am now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's but true, though. <laughs> because of him, uh, obviously we, I had that dream of the five kids singing together and we did for years. We were the Garcia family singers and my children have fabulous voices as does Steve. And I think I just make them all feel uh, sound better because I can harmonize with them. And they were amazing. They, they have been amazing. And then they blessed us with 12 uh, grandchildren. Wow. Oh my gosh. So, you found this guy and within two and a half weeks you were married, but that was how many years ago? 45. 45 years ago. That's, There's only a few like us. That does not normally happen, but you know, 
I know that you and I have both seen the people who date on and off and on and off because they see themselves changing and it scares them. Yeah. Right. And God didn't give you time for that. He's like, here you go. And you're like married. And then, uh oh, we see ourselves changing. But now we've chosen to say till death do us part. And we have to learn how to deal with the changes. You know, what am I going to keep? What do I need to adjust? Um, you know, whatever, because I'm keeping this person that I've made the commitment to. Well, and Steve and I decided to grow together. Yes. We, we, every few years, and, and I, I coach and counsel people on this too, um, is you learn to grow together. If they're committed to growth, we can, uh, we can always do that. And I have to say this, he still cooks for me. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm like, you're cooking too much, dear. Uh, you got to do the no gravy thing for a while. If you're enjoying this podcast, tune in next week to hear more. I'm Christy Bridges, and I teach Christians how to become authors because God speaks to different people through our unique voices. Visit me at onemomentwiser.com. That's the number one, momentwiser.com.